Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. As Christians, our destiny is to receive God, contain God, be filled with God, and express God. And we can enjoy our destiny by opening our mouth wide and calling on the name of the Lord, saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. Fill me with yourself. This is the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. The Life Study of the Bible is the fruit of over 75 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. And as is often our pleasure, Dick Taylor is with us once again to discuss the Life Study of Romans. Dick, thank you for being here today. My pleasure to be here today. These Life Studies in Romans, day by day, are... I guess beyond our ability to put an adjective on them, what is being opened here. And today we're in chapter 10. Paul in this portion gets quite deep in his writing in places. We want to develop the thought in these portions today, Dick, particularly related to the section of chapter 10 and around chapter 10. What is the overall topic of this portion? The overall topic of these three chapters is God's selection and our destiny. It's a tremendous topic uh, showing us that God's selection is our destiny. Here we can really see uh, our destiny having been selected by God. We're selected by God as vessels of God to receive him, contain him, be filled with him, to express him, to fulfill his heart's desire. God's selection and our destiny is altogether focused on Christ. First of all, we see Christ as the very end of the law. And secondly, we see Christ as the incarnated and resurrected one. Thirdly, we see the Christ who is so wonderfully near and dear. And fourthly, we see Christ needs to be believed in and called upon so that we can be filled up with him to fulfill God's heart's desire. Most uh, Christians, sorry to say, including myself for many years, viewed ourselves as believers as merely instruments. But God's selection, God's choosing of us, according to his desire, was as vessels to receive him, to contain him, to be filled with him so that we can express him. So, this is a delightful portion in the Word, bringing us to God's selection, our destiny, and even bringing us to the way that we can really enjoy our destiny and enter into the main point in this section of the Word. Dick, I really appreciate the distinction that you raised between 
the purpose of our selection being an instrument for God to use. And as you identified, this is the common thought, I believe. That's correct. But really, what zeroes in on God's heart's desire, his focus, is that we be vessels to contain him. The difference here is profound. It's beyond significant in terms of how we appropriate these chapters in Romans, isn't it? Really so, because... If all we are as instruments just to work for God, God's purpose is not fulfilled. God needs to be expressed. So he needs to come into us. This is his heart's desire. So what a wonderful portion in the word to see that we're selected by God as vessels to receive him, contain him, and be filled with him to express him. That's the right backdrop, I believe, for our word today. Let's join Witness Lee with today's life study. Christ! He has completed and terminated the law. The law is ended in him. So from the very spot of the cross of Christ, to us there should be no law. Because the law was terminated there at the cross. And what is the result? The result is to bring in God's righteousness to everyone who believes in Christ. And the verse is verse 4 of chapter 10. For Christ is the end of the law. This is the first point about Christ. That is Christ is the end of the law. Then the second point about Christ is Christ incarnated and resurrected. Of course, according to the letters, you don't have the word incarnated, neither the word resurrected. But in actuality, in this record here, you do have these two things. Firstly, in this portion, verse 6 and 7, it says, Christ was incarnated by descending from heaven. And Christ was resurrected by ascending from the beast. We have to read verses 6 and 7. Starting from verse 5. For Moses writes that the man who does the righteousness which is out of the law shall live in it. But the righteousness which is not speech in this way do not say who will ascend into heaven? That is the bringing Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from among the dead. Paul was marvelous and so deep in his right. He was not so shallow as I am. He didn't use the word incarnated resurrected, but what he was talking here, I tell you, just is about the incarnation and resurrection. Don't say, who shall ascend to heaven to bring Christ down? That is incarnation. Christ has come down from the heavens already in his incarnation. And don't say, who shall descend into the beast? That is to die and to go into the hell and to be resurrected. 
because Christ died and Christ went to the abyss. Right? And Christ was brought up in his resurrection from the dead. So these two points tell us that here the very Christ is the Christ that has passed through incarnation and resurrection. He is what we say the process the Christ. Right? Incarnated and resurrected. Dick, this is marvelous writing by the Apostle Paul, with a clear reference to the incarnated and resurrected Christ. Help us to see the processed Christ in this passage of Romans. Processed, when we say the processed Christ, we refer to Christ having taken many steps and uh, gone through uh, somewhat of a procedure. That is, he became flesh, he lived a human life, he died on the cross, he's resurrected, he's ascended. Today he's available as the Spirit. We, that's what we mean by processed. So he's taken many steps in order to be experienced and enjoyed by us and to carry out God's economy. These two verses, uh, Romans 10:6 and 7, really bring us to this matter of his being incarnated and his being resurrected. In other words, going through a process. 6 says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Well, it never says here, uh, or never uses the word incarnation. But it's implied here. Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. We know, according to the word, like John 1, that Christ, who is the very God, who is the word, became flesh. So, there's no need to ascend to heaven to bring Christ down. Christ has already taken this step in his process, this wonderful step of incarnation, and that is putting on the flesh, becoming a God-man. And then in verse 7 it says, Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. And this Again, the, the word resurrection is not directly used, but strongly implied. And this takes us again to Christ in his steps of work divine, in his process where he went to the cross, through the cross, uh, after his death, descended into Hades, the place of the dead, thoroughly conquered the entire area, and gloriously resurrected from the dead to become the living, ascended head and Lord in this universe. So uh, these two verses don't use the word incarnated and resurrected, but they're definitely implied. And this is what we mean by processed Christ. Now this one who's passed through incarnation to become flesh, and as a God-man passed through death and entered into resurrection, to become a life-giving spirit, is so near and so dear. So the next verse says, what's it say? The word is near you. And I'm just reminded, Chris, of that song that we sing a lot, the chorus. O Lord, thou art the spirit, how dear and near to me. How I enjoy thy marvelous availability. 
Dick, on the surface, I think when many people would hear that term, the processed Christ, at first blush, it may cause them to cringe just a little. True. But when we get into the real meaning and the real implication of what that term conveys, we realize this really is what our Christ has gone through to make himself available. That's right. Thank you, Dick. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of our life study. Christ is near to you as the incarnated and resurrected Christ, Christ is near to you. In the outline we say this way, Christ near to you. The resurrected Christ as the living word being in your mouth and in your heart. We read verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach out of a sudden in verse 8 he interchangeably uses the word for Christ right in the foregoing two verses he uses Christ for Christ then when he comes to verse 8 he interchangeably uses the word for Christ and this surely indicates that this word is no doubt Christ himself. Christ himself today in his resurrection as the life-giving spirit is the word. And this corresponds with the revelation of the New Testament because the word is the spirit. Right? The word is the spirit and in, even in Ephesians 6 it says the spirit is also the word. So Christ today, in his resurrection, is both the Spirit and the Word. He is the Spirit for you to touch. And he is the Word for you to understand. As the Word, you can stand him. As the Spirit, you can touch him. Either the Spirit or the Word, both are for you to take him. Now, as the resurrected Christ, the life-giving spirit, is the living word. So, he is near to you. Where? How near? My, at your mouth. Even deeper, in your heart. At your mouth, for you to call upon him. In your heart, for you to believe in him. The mouth is for calling, and the heart is for believing. We all have these two organs, a mouth and a heart, right? Don't forget, your mouth is for calling on the name of Jesus, and your heart is for believing in Him. When you call, I tell you, on Him, you got saved. When you believe in him, you got justified. Dick, on occasion, the Apostle Paul seems to use the persons of the Godhead in his Trinity almost interchangeably. This is one of the sections where Paul is using the Word and Christ in that kind of interchangeable way. And even the Spirit's implied here as well. This may have a tendency to confound our theology some, but what does it show us about the real relationship between them in the Godhead? 
we can say, Chris, for sure, in studying the Word, that the triune God, that is the Father, the Son, the Spirit, is uniquely one. But He is mysteriously and wonderfully three-one for our experience. Uh, here you have uh, the word Word, and you have the word Christ. In these verses, they're used interchangeably. First, he's referred to as the Word, then he's referred to as Christ, and like you mentioned, the Spirit is implied. Well, in the Godhead, there is no separation between the Father, the Son, the Spirit, but there is distinction, and the distinction is simply for application and experience, and for the carrying out of God's heart's desire. Christ, as the Word, is the one who could be understood by us. But Christ as the Spirit is the one who can be touched and enjoyed and realized by us and received by us. And it's so good that when we consider the matter of the relationship of the three in the Godhead, we realize if you get one, you get them all. There's no such thing as one-third of the pie. The Son is one-third, the Father's one-third, and the Spirit is one-third. No, He is absolutely, uniquely one God. And mysteriously three-one means their relationship is that of living one in the other, co-inhering, incorporated with one another. So it's so wonderful. When you receive the Word, you receive Christ. When you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.18 concludes by saying this, even as from the Lord Spirit. Now is the Lord the Spirit, or is the Spirit of the Lord, or is the Lord the Lord and the Spirit is the Spirit? Well, we have to say He's both the Lord and He is the Spirit. The wonderful relationship is that of absolute oneness. There is a distinction, but there is absolutely no separation. When you experience one, you experience them all. And this is our portion for our enjoyment for eternity. We love to experience the triune God. Dick, I really appreciate your utterance on that. That's a tough and difficult question. Uh, there are no human words to really adequately, academically express this. That's true. But as you put it in the realm of our experience, there is, even though perhaps not an adequate and perfect understanding, there is an apprehension in our being as we enter into our rich enjoyment of the triune God. Amen. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of the life study. Calling upon the name of the Lord is not only for salvation, but rather for the enjoyment of all the riches of the Lord. Are you going to enjoy the riches of the Lord? There's no other way. Don't shut up your mouth. You have to call by your mouth. Am I right? My in these years, the Lord has really been revealing to us about the matter of calling. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, this is the calling on His name, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from among the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, man confesses unto salvation. Unto is a special Greek preposition. 
which means in many occasions resulting in. For with the heart man believes to result in righteousness. And with the mouth man confesses to result in salvation. So if you are going to be justified to have the righteousness, surely you have to believe in him. If you are going to be saved, you have to call upon him. Then, verse 11, For the scripture says, All who believe on him shall not be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord of all is raised to all who call upon him. The same Lord of all is raised to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? We the call ones under God's sovereign selection. All have been made vessels of mercy unto honor and glory. But we have to realize vessels by themselves are just empty. Vessels need to contain something. Am I right? In chapter 9, we are told that we have been made vessels, but it didn't say anything about the way, how could we get ourselves filled up? If we are vessels, just empty. That might be quite pitiful. So we need the filling up. In chapter 9, we don't have the way to get ourselves as empty vessels fill up. The filling up, or the way to be filled up, is not in chapter 9, but rather the way is in chapter 10. And the way to get ourselves filled up is to use the mouth of the vessels. The Lord of riches, or the riches of the Lord, will fill us up. You know, every vessel has a mouth. If there's no mouth, that is not a vessel. Right? Every vessel is, <laughs> is what? Is uh, given or is made with an opening. Praise the Lord. If we are just an instrument, there might be no mouth. Right? The table doesn't have a mouth. All the hammers, axes, all those instruments, they don't have any mouth. But as long as you are a vessel, praise the Lord, there is an opening. There is a mouth. Don't you have a mouth? Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, for what is your mouth made? Just for you to be filled up. Uh-huh. We all are vessels with a big mouth. And the mouth is for us to call on the name of Lord Jesus. Oh, the Lord is rich. The Lord is rich over all who call upon His name. 
Dick, from the very deep point concerning the interrelationship within the Godhead to the simple but equally profound allusion to a bottle with a mouth for filling, how marvelous is God's word, Dick. Amen. This matter of calling on the Lord for our inward filling may seem simple, but the implications are too tremendous, aren't they? They sure are. You know, an instrument doesn't have a mouth, but a bottle sure does. Any vessel has an opening to receive. And it is so wonderful that in chapter 9 of Romans, the concept of man being a vessel to contain God is made very clear. That word vessel is used over and over. When you get to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The mouth, or the opening of this vessel, I should say, is really man's mouth. So the way to be filled with him is to call on his precious name. Romans 9 mentions that we're vessels, but Romans 10 brings us to the way to fill these vessels with Christ to fulfill God's eternal purpose. And that is by opening our mouth wide to be filled with him. There's even a psalm that says that. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Isn't that precious? And uh, then the next verse in Romans 10, after 12, it says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When you put all these verses together, you realize the real enjoyment of Christ as the one who has been processed, and today is the all-inclusive, wonderful, life-giving spirit. The real enjoyment of him is by calling on him, to be filled with him. And this can happen and should happen hourly, daily, weekly, until we just become the duplication of the firstborn Son of God as his many brothers. So let's call on him for all the days of our life. Even today, it's what a privilege. And we encourage all of you who are listening, open the mouth of the vessel and call on his name. Even you would say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Fill me with yourself. Dick, I want to give you a quick testimony. We recently got a call from a dear sister in the Lord in, in Texas, I believe, and she's called previously. But we had uh, touched this matter of calling on the Lord in an earlier program, and she took the challenge. And her testimony was that, you know, this was new to me, but I looked up the verses you gave. In fact, I looked it up throughout the whole Bible. And I saw it again and again and again. So I began to do it. Amen. And she said, my testimony is I experienced this rich, sweet filling in a very fresh and wonderful way. Now you can call me a caller. That's good. We all should be called callers. Well, this is a great testimony. And uh, we would encourage you to, listening today, try this. Investigate this. But open the opening of your vessel. And allow the Lord's sweet presence to fill you by calling on his name. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. 
These programs are based on messages Witness Lee gave when he did a comprehensive book-by-book study of the Bible, showing how Christ is life to man. Whether you're hearing these life studies via radio, online, or as a podcast, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. There, you'll find more than 1,700 audio studies covering every book of the Bible. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Thanks again for listening.